everyone. Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela, and I am just having a delightful day, um, drinking a smoothie, procrastinating my booty off in my regular life. But I am here. I am ready. I am having a great time, and I'm super excited to see the beautiful, soulful, resilient face of Mr. <laughs> Dave Yates. Oh, those are all descriptors that I don't appreciate, but... Resilient? <laughs> we're, you don't like resilient? No, I don't like any No, of that shit. means you survived crap. That's what it means. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know what they mean. I just don't, I, I just don't like Translate. Them. Yeah, you I just don't like them. I'm just a regular guy just fucking stumbling through this shit. How's everybody doing out there? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Dave. Could you go ahead and read us our beautiful clarity statement? Sure can. Welcome to the 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! And I'm very excited to have this guest. We have we have we have f uh, festivaled together multiple times. We've seen each other around the scene, and I bebopped up to her all the way out there in North Carolina. She was she just and I was like, "You got to do my podcast." <laughs> so who are we speaking with today? Hi, Rosalie Mayu. How are you? Man, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see you two. Makes my day ahead of me feel like, oh, I, I got this. I can do this. <laughs> well, you've got a hot audition. So we're just going to get right into these questions so you can be confident and rested and ready to crush that audition. Nice. I love that. Little, I love a little pre audition serenity. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, I go in there and I'm like, <laughs> like I, I get into those. You haven't been talking enough. You have to like be in the talking mode. So if you like before a set at the store, oh. I see everybody in the hallway. I learned from you guys in the hallway talking. And I'm going like, how can they be talking? Doesn't that distract them? But no, it actually gets your motor going. So. It's I, actually, I actually talk because I don't give a shit about what I'm saying up there. I just try to try to care as little as possible. That's been okay. My, so I'm totally jealous of you from here on out. My secret. I love it. I love it. All right, Mama. How do you experience surrender in your daily life? Wow. First of all, you have to have a bathtub. I know it's. A, <laughs> I get in the water because it makes me calm down, and uh, and then I turn it over. I turn it over. I have a circle of saints that watch over me. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary being the first one, <laughs> my mom, my dad, my grandpa, and then these unknown spirits um, that I sort of engage with every day because uh, left to my own devices, the world run by, run by Rosalie is hmm, just a bumble of events and just... You don't want that. You don't want to put me in charge. I'll chase you out of a bar. No, it's not good. <laughs> I'll chase you out of a bar. That's great. Cause you have a whole journey with like you have a whole journey with uh be the the effects of of being around addicts and alcoholics. 
Yeah, I think everybody I've ever loved. If you come from Louisiana, it's a prerequisite to be a drunk and barbecue. That's the cooking recipe. If you open any cookbook, they say, first, get drunk. And that's what I grew up around. Um, not my parents, thankfully, but my grandparents and all my relatives. And mm -hmm. that's who I fell in love with. Why not? An exciting, thrilling person who's a daredevil who you spend your first year with madly in love and you've never had a relationship like that ever in your life. They are the coolest, the hottest, the sexiest. They are your everything. And then after that 12 month mark, <clears throat> you spend the rest of your relationship trying to get that same jazz going. Uh, like heroin. Yeah, they are. They are an yes. Al-Anon's hero. I'm an Al-Anon 31 years. I'll bust myself. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, 31 years in the program has taught me how little I know, except that, mm -hmm. A, it's, it's okay to love an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. B, a lot of Al-Anons uh, have similar addictions. It's just the flip side of the coin. A lot of times it's, uh, I mean... Like workaholism. Food. Yeah, you, you work too much. You rescue too much. I call it the Overgivers Anonymous program. Mm -hmm. um, we just, we give too much. We uh, uh, may turn to food or drinking ourselves or uh, get, uh, tempt the, the barrel of snakes that is alcoholism, trying to keep up with your drinking. <laughs> mm. I did yeah. that. <laughs> I tried to keep up. Uh, let me tell you, I failed and almost <laughs> uh, walked to the other program <laughs> over a guy who was six foot five and I tried to keep up drinking with him. <laughs> Whoa, Rosalie's and, uh, a little tiny thing, if you're listening, or if you're Dave. She's a little tiny thing. <laughs> I'm tall, but I'm too skinny to drink that much alcohol. Yeah. I'm 6'4", so, I'm, six four, so I'm, I'm in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, but I love, I'm, I'm in program because I love an alcoholic. Um, I love all of them. I didn't come to the program from my children, but their drinking and use me kept me here because mm -hmm. uh, I had to learn to keep my hands off them, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can, you, nobody tells you who to love. That's just a gift. You love who you love. Mm -hmm. Now, can you not destroy them? <laughs> because, you know, a, a person with my kind of personality of overhelping can actually do more harm mm -hmm. than good. Uh, and love, love is no excuse for that. That's just our own obsession. Well, yeah, it's a, I'll fix, manage and control something until it stops breathing. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. when I say something and that just is the caveat is anybody or any place or situation. People, places and things, baby. Trust me, I qualify. I'll probably, yeah. I'll, well, I'll, I, I'll, I I'll actually, probably be knocking on y'all's door sooner or later. That's <laughs> most of my... Uh, sober friends eventually after they're hit about 20 years uh, come on over <laughs> good. So I've, got I've got 11 more years just 11 to go you're cool you're you almost there Jay. Dave I have two I have two years Rosalie get the yeah, coffee going <laughs> yeah baby I got that seat warming up for you mm. yeah. ain't, no, ain't nobody slanging time around here without Anna letting everybody know yeah. she's got <laughs> you know what it's a miracle and why not Thank you. It, it is a miracle. Thank yeah. you. And so, after yeah. six years in Al-Anon, I had to face my smoking of cigarettes, which I don't know if anybody knows that nicotine is a pretty big drug. They kill horses with it. That's, Ooh. yeah, that's how you put a horse so down. So what you're you saying is if I smoke nicotine. enough nicotines, I can kill myself? Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, it's out to get you because cocaine don't care, nicotine don't care, alcohol don't care. They don't love you. <laughs> yeah. So they but just I love, love your money. I love the smoky treats. I know. They're delicious, except mm -hmm. that they interrupt the flow of God in my life, which I know the G word is pretty. No. Rather be the OG than the G, but. No, uh, there's a safe space for all that. I, I love how you explain that because I've had people, specifically comedians, will ask me, like, so I'm going to this program and someone told me I have to stop smoking pot. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you say, yeah. I go, I, hmm. I, I always say, let me teach you, Alan. Here's the word. Here's the, hmm. Oh. Oh, is that the, is that the, oh. Alan, is that that's the, pause, the three words pause, you can say. Agitated? Yeah. After after you join, your sponsor will give you three words you can say. Hmm. Ah. Oh. My sponsor had me practice this when I first started doing stand up because people just come up to me and they'd be like, la, 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 and I'd be like, oh, like I was just walking around with everybody's emotional trauma, and then finally she goes, I want you to repeat after me. We're and I think we were in Cantor's, and she goes say this she goes she would tell me something horrible she'd be like my cat got run over in front of my mom who also got run over and i and she'd go and then i go hmm oh yeah yeah no and then just and then she goes and then you just fade away then you just bet you just back, back up, up, into, back up. <laughs> into a crowd and you're just i have to go use the restroom but yeah it oh, works you're right you'll take it on yeah. We, we take it on. We take on the hurts, the fears, the guilt of other I people. Have, I have a sub question for you because you said the 12 mo month mark. And I have to tell you, I'm like third, fourth generation addict myself. I went to Allentine growing up. My parents like would just drop me off at Allentine meetings. And so and hope for the best <laughs> and hope for the best. And instead I was like, yeah, I'm going to use. Um, and then uh, so my question is. When you said the 12 month mark, what happens at the 12 month mark? Because I have experienced this where it's like yeah. the first year of a relationship. And I always experienced, I always thought it was like a little bit of narcissistic love bombing on both sides or like yes. a little bit of, um, I, I don't know how to explain it's it. Or wishful it like thinking. It's look, it's, it's, there's nothing better than your first year of a relationship with an alcoholic mm. who's using and charming and wild and romantic and can fly you to Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> right. Um, and then after that, they lose interest and move on to the next thing. And it is crushing because it was never about me. It was about them. And as they feed that side of them out of need, um, I thought we were having a conversation, but it was always a conversation with themselves. So my conversation has to only be, and my only job is ever, my relationship with my higher power. That's the only relationship. Because when you go into program and you really are working the steps and you're doing the writing and praying and releasing and surrendering and all that stuff, um, you're still working on just one person. Right. I asked my sponsor, who do I write on first in my four step? And she said, oh, it doesn't matter, honey. They're all the same. It's true. What? That's, that's really true. What? I say, I say the same thing when I'm working a four step with somebody, I'm just like, just write it. It doesn't matter. Write a list. 
like it and it could be i don't care if it's ordered your mom the mailman you know the you know it's just write it and then just do what you got to do it doesn't matter like just and it's i had to learn the the adage that is not programmed but seated in the same ideas how i treat anyone is how i treat everyone mm. my treatment of people my treatment of my alcoholic relatives my treatment of people was to insert myself into their lives and try to be useful and helpful because I had not found my purpose and was not willing to work on myself. Mm -hmm. Most people who don't want to come to these rooms and have gone to a lot of good therapy and gotten a lot of good help, it's because we need to stay unique. We need to stay different. Because my problem is so much worse than anybody else's. When in fact, when you are humble enough to walk in these doors and you sit down and you share the same pain that other people are sharing, your load is lightened, lessened so many times that the hell I've gone through is almost only for the next guy behind me that I'm reaching my hand behind to. Yeah. Yeah, I literally, and, I had this conversation last night with someone. I'm like, I made a deal with the universe nine, ten years ago that if it helped me, I'd help the next person. Yeah. And I can lose sight of that, that that's all there is. And it's, that's it's, all there is. And it's, mm -hmm. it's the deal I made. And yeah. I'm a man, and I'm a man of my word in recovery. And so it's like, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not sharing the message, and I don't care how much pain I'm going through, that's me not doing the deal if if I'm not doing that. And it's easy yeah. to lose sight of that when life gets busy or hard or whatever. It's just like... Or you don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't like them. You don't like what they're doing. You don't like what they stand for. It it starts to play tricks on your mind. And uh, that's when uh, being the man of your word is so important. Because I'm not sharing anything I know. I'm only sharing what the program... The program is a genius. Me, <laughs> not so much. So all I, all I can share is the 12 steps and how I worked them. That's all I have. Everything else is how I went through the journey. And I may share it with you personally or on this podcast to help someone else. But uh, without doing that, uh, being a, an Alateen sponsor for 10 years, that, it, it's a blast. Because I think the gift when I walked into the rooms there was a hundred people all telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Where else do you get that? Especially, especially if you come from like an insane, like addict, alcoholic family, the truth is such a, the truth. it's such a precious thing. And even when somebody tells them the truth, they're like, that's not the truth. Why would you say that? And so, oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's not what's happening. <laughs> and that helped breeds the insanity of the, of sure the disease on both sides of the coin. So what, like, what's been your most insane moment either in and out of recovery thus far? <laughs> I'll tell you how I came to program. Sure. So I thought in my marriage that if I had uh, a nice bedroom with drapes, my husband would love me. Mm. Ah, the drapes. <laughs> the drapes. It's, it's so, good, uh, good science. Yeah. I mean, it was logical to me if I made things pretty he'd want to stay. Mm -hmm. So I, I made an appointment with a professional drapery salesman. Who does that? Waited three months for the appointment. When he came to the door, I was arguing in the kitchen with my husband. So my little six-year-old went to the door and said, you can't come in now. Mommy and daddy are fighting. 
Mm. So the drapery salesman left. I heard the door slam and I knew who it was. And in a bathrobe with rollers. Oh my God. Running down DelVal Drive saying, wait, wait, don't leave. And he yells out the window, here's a phone number, call it. And I had enough of a sense of humor to think that's pretty ridiculous. So I picked up the phone number, I call it, and unbeknownst to me, it's a 12-stepper who happens to be a family therapist. What? And yeah. drapery salesman? What yeah. yeah, damn drapery salesman. <laughs> Program drapery salesman. I'm and so I, I Always started. be closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. <laughs> And I just, you know, the journey was was so difficult. I had anger and rage issues. And a lot of it is what you said, Anna, uh, about about being lied to. Mm -hmm. Because you say, I see the Christmas tree falling. They'll go, it didn't fall. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you think you're crazy your whole Mm -hmm. time. You think you're insane. And that anger, the date rapes, the, the positions I put myself of danger, the constant mistakes I made, made me a rager. And I, uh, when I first came to program, somebody said, well, throw dishes against the garage. And so I'd break dishes, punch pillows. I would punch pillows. And then it came to me totally from God. That, uh, that's just encouraging you to act out. Mm. But I didn't know what to do with it. And then the Saturday morning old meeting on Santa Monica Boulevard, this guy walked from the back of the meeting, leaned over. And I happened to be sitting with my sponsor handed me a piece of paper, again with the paper, God works in notes to me, physically handwritten, you got to give her a note, uh, and said, I once took a sledgehammer to a Mercedes, call me. Whoa. And I told my sponsor, and she said, you should call him. So I did. So I took a daily commitment. Still makes me cry. Call him every morning and take a daily commitment to not rage. Yeah, because I was a rager and that daily commitment saved my life. He said, are you willing to lose your children, your family, your home, everything you have and go to jail? Because that's where you're headed. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. And he said, okay, can you call me every day? And I did. And that's what we give to each other that I don't think uh, there's many other ways to connect with people on an honest level than calling them every day and say, I hit my kids. I broke dishes. I almost killed somebody with a car. Uh, Yeah. Once you get to that level of honesty, because the friends I have that don't come to program are still in the dishonest phase. It's a phase we go through. You Mm -hmm. only learn to tell the truth when you're mature. You lie when you're immature in your heart. Babies lie. Little kids like, I didn't do it. I just (laughs) didn't do it. (laughs) And that's what it is. When we lie, we're just not mature spiritually, not ready to face stuff. And there's a time for that. You might not be ready. Right. Yeah. You're blaming you probably, the other. Yeah. You probably can't even see it. And it wasn't you until can't. I I was a big rager for God until about eight, nine years of uh, mm-hmm. my recovery. And what happened was, is, um, especially in the, the beginning, um, what happened was, is I was in a, my mom had died. I was in a relationship and, um, dude got in my face with the express purpose of provoking a physical fight. And I, and I, I put my hands on his shoulders and I pushed him into this 
French door thing and crack the glass. And um, my, uh, my, I called my sponsor and I said, I'm behaving in ways unbecoming of, and I got fired from a job. It was like everything that was happening. It was like the world was closing in on me. And because I was working with these really angry kids at a group home and I was like, I was angry. I was walking into anger. It was like all the time. And um, my sponsor said, get some outside help or never call me again. And she hung up the phone and she saved my life. Yeah, she saved my life because I, what happened was, is I had to, for me, the core of that was grief and I had to get in there and exercise the grief. And then, and then with a therapist work a lot on like codependency and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I love me a Melody Beattie book, get me in there with that Melody Beattie, you know, get really getting in and digging at that. And, um, so I understand, I understand that journey. I understand that. And I know the Al-Anon experience is its own special. And like, I mean, I've been to a lot of Al-Anon meetings. I always tell people go to some Al-Anon meetings. They have the best snacks. <laughs> we feed you. Best, <laughs> the best snack, like a full, like a fruit tray, bagels, danishes, coffee, tea, juice. You, if you are hungry, if you are out of something, go to a morning Al-Anon meeting. They will take, they will take care of you. You go to a morning <laughs> NA meeting or a morning AA meeting or a morning, any other kind of meeting. And you're going to end up with a burnt cup of coffee and um, some donut holes from that they gave us from down the street. Like it's going to look ratty and scary. Anyway, um, these are my, these are my complaints. Uh, but uh, well, that brings us to the third question because it sounds like you learned how to make decisions in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it started with reaching out and calling someone. So mm -hmm. Rosalie, how do you make decisions in your life today? Um, uh, my sponsor has this terrible thing she makes me do, a pros and cons list, and then I read it to her Yuck. to keep me accountable. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. I, I love it. I love it. it. I love it. I hate that. And then <laughs> the other thing is, if I don't want to do something, a 10th step. Because, and I just found that this out this week. I had one of my sponsees who cannot, for some reason, work a 10th step. I found mm. out she had a resentment against the word, I resent. Mm. You know how it's in columns? Yeah. I resent what happened, what it affects, and my part. Mm -hmm. And it's because, and I will, I will attest to this, al like to think well of ourselves, right? Yeah. And we don't want to think we have resentments. And stuff. It just makes us the same as our partners. And uh, so she had a pride issue. And mm -hmm. that's something I know from my mom, and I can work on with her now. But until she acknowledged that was a problem for her, how could I help? So when I make a decision, I have to be willing. That's the first thing. Am I willing? Mm -hmm. If I'm not willing, then I, uh, I, to look at the facts of the situation, because acceptance just means I've looked at the facts. You can accept the facts, and then you can make a decision with your sponsor what you want to do about something. Mm. Uh, I try not to make decisions quickly anymore because they're usually suspect. I, I like to write emails and then erase them because they're never good the first time around. Uh, well, if these, I can't these are all say, the comments and tweet replies. Trust me. I comment and I delete. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nobody wants my first thought. Mm -hmm. My first thought is the, the old bully doormat, mm -hmm. which is my best description of the bully doormat syndrome. 
And then my second one is the wisdom because I've opened my heart and my ears to my higher power. And then I can make an informed decision. Usually if I can't make a decision, I don't have all the information. Right. I have to gather more information. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I miss things. So I call my sponsor for her input. And then I make these lovely decisions that I can feel so good about. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were never my first, but that's how I make decisions now. Yeah. 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 I love that. And it takes a lot of self-knowledge to do that. Mm. It really does. Um, you have what, to be hip to your shit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Dave, it sounded like you wanted to, you wanted to chime in. Nope. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Rosalie, what is your, um, like, w- what is the most interesting or surprising thing you've learned about yourself in your journey? How strong I am. Mm. Um, I, working with that woman who sent me to program, um, I, she gave me a book to read that's not program called Confronting the Abuser. Mm which helped me through that section of my recovery. And I once took an ink pen and went through the book. Now to go through a book, I don't know if you know, takes more power than <laughs> like an elephant's foot. Uh, and with that release of all that old hatred, resentment and anger, um, mm-hmm. boy, it was like rainbows. You know, it, it uh, finally broke me out of the pity. The, the yeah. pity is the killer. If I pity myself, if I feel sorry for myself, that'll destroy me. Um, yeah. it, it, uh, I can't recover from that. My uh, AA friends tell me it's the same, uh, mm-hmm. that self-pity will kill you. You got to watch that stuff really strong. Yeah, absolutely. But that moment, that moment was my breakout moment from a memory had that had come up because I had a repressed memory of abuse and uh, it just came up out of the blue. My dad was having a stroke. My brother had come in because my mom called him and he was pounding on dad's bathroom door to get to him to take him to the hospital. And for some reason, that's the moment. And I had a fist fight uh, with my brother and my sponsor said, that was cool. So (laughs) I took that. Uh, and got over it, <laughs> but not without that fist fight. That was good. That was yeah, <clears throat> a learning experience. Don't hit big people six four uh, like Dave because if they hit you back, you're a cracker. You'll just go. <laughs> or you can train in karate with me and uh, surprise the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that being strong, taking doing the karate with you. That, that is. You're so much stronger than you think you are. Yeah. You're so much better than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And you're so much more loved than you can ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I I just didn't know that stuff. Yeah. Well, that that comes from, for me, honesty. Like, how honest am I being with myself? How honest am I being with the emotions that I'm having to regulate them and to do the work. And the next question is, Rosalie, how honest are you with yourself and those around you? I'm good at busting. I, I really, it's, it's, I'm hip to my shit. It was one of my, even my ex used to say, I've never seen anybody be able to bust themselves on their stuff. It's like, I've mm-hmm. always had the vision to see my side of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe until I came across a deep, long-lasting relationship where I was really lost that brought me to program. That's when I went into total denial. Uh, and it was hard to pull back that curtain. Nobody pulled it back for me. They let me uh, bitch and moan and groan and cry and feel sorry for myself and complain as long as I needed to. I would call and say, I hate my husband. And they would say, honey, how long would you like to hate him? Yeah. And I said, all day. And I, they said, okay, you can hate your husband all day today. Call me tomorrow. That is, by the way, the patience. Because I will say this, well, how long do you want to do this for? Seems like we got a pattern here or at least a trend. How long do you <laughs> want to do this for? And I love... <laughs> I love that people had the patience to let you because that is the one, that's the thing I really have to, where I get myself into trouble in the, the Al-Anon codependent way is I have a really hard time watching people hurt themselves. Oh and, yeah. It's and horrible. I, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I'll and be they, like, you realize you're hurting yourself, right? And they're like, fuck <laughs> you. And I'm yeah, like, why are you mad at me? <laughs> they're not ready. They're not ready. Not ready. I had that conversation this morning. They would, when you say, how about being honest with other people about my shit? Sure. About their shit? Can't. Mm. When you're working with somebody and you try to tell them the truth, it's a, it's just not your place. You let yeah. them discover their truth because their self-esteem will become evident when they are doing esteemable acts. You know, you making the decision to be a good man, that's, that's doing, that's living uh, the program. And it's, it's doing, living in a, a responsible act, a esteemable oh, act. Are you talking about me? <laughs> yeah. And it's, Ugh. yeah, I know, right? Oh, I mean, I do that. I just, sometimes. this falls under the category for me as a phrase that I was taught early on is who, are, who am I to prevent the pain that someone needs to fully actualize their situation? So when I feel right. like a, an I, Indian I, guru told me that okay. an American uh, Indian guru I used to go to and she said, I love you too much to let you treat me this way. Yeah. Because yeah. eventually well, it will kill my love. <laughs> so I, I got to watch that. Okay. That's a great protector. He's about uh, 20 I pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I Very love friends. it. What? is for me the reason why that is really difficult is i get we are we'll wait for puppies to so good boy cute. good boy come you'll see come. Come. look you'll be famous with anna and dave look oh my god what a love puppy face Wow. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they just need to see what's going on. They're like, mom, why are you talking to a box? What's happening? This is weird. For, okay. So for me, one of the, the difficulties of sitting with that and watching people run into their pain is it causes for me a lot of fear and anxiety. And I know it because it's like the fear and anxiety comes from this person's going to hurt themselves and then they're going to hurt me. So I have to protect me by letting them know that they're hurting themselves and the cycle just goes on and on and on. And, and you they just hurt me anyway. Huh? Because they're hurting, it's going to hurt you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so that, that fear 
that anxiety associated with that is where the cycle goes, the cycle goes around and around. For you, how do you experience fear and anxiety? You know, there's a pamphlet now and on called the merry-go-round of alcoholism Mm -hmm. that describes us way too correctly (laughs) Mm -hmm. that it's a merry-go-round. You know, you walk into that, I call it the dance of death. It's, if, if I stay out of that, then my fears and anxieties are shown to me to be false evidence appearing real. Right. And then I'm okay. 90% of everything I've ever worried about never happens. Right. Um, and I just keep saying to my sponsees and to myself, you're more loved than you know. You're doing better than you know. Mm-hmm. You're a better person than you know. You're more loved and liked than you know. All that stuff. And then I can acknowledge, oh, there's so much I don't know. How can I call a conclusion? I can't. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't. I can't see the conclusion. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to do the workaholic thing. And my son's bathroom broke at his apartment, so he's here for a couple of nights. Mm-hmm. Once you have a kid that's over 30, you don't see them. If they're a guy, they're out. <laughs> they're gone. They're like a ghost. <laughs> they don't want anything to do with me. <laughs> mom. Ugh, her. Ugh, I'm going to stand here you. and say I see my mom as much as I can. I'm literally going to be on the road for two weeks. Oh. And instead of coming home, I'm going to spend three days with my mom before the next gig. So oh. I'm, th- I'm 35 and I, and I see mom. That's- yeah, well, I I try, but you know, there's. Do you guys live in the same state? Do you guys live in the same state? Uh, yes. One is in Oakland, and one is in West Hollywood. So yeah. the West Hollywood kid is here. Yeah. And my decision was to go walk Fryman with him instead of doing any more work. I didn't go to an open mic. Yeah. I have two shows this week. I should be rehearsing for. Didn't do any of that. We went and talked about foxtail stories, and we went and. Told the dog not to smell the poo because there's the virus going around. And <laughs> yeah, that... living, staying present is my biggest challenge. I had to work since I was 16 and support myself. Uh, when I got <laughs> knocked up, my parents said, Well, good luck and <laughs> uh, come home, but we're not sending you money. <laughs> right. And I thought, Go home. No, I'm not doing that. So I worked. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's an easy thing to go and hide in, you know, oh, yeah. you hide? Oh, Girl. what a great way to hide. Be a comic, be on yeah. the road. My, <laughs> uh, my father was a rail yard worker and I watched him work 80 hour weeks and, uh, insanity. Um, and then when he got sick in 2019, uh, with pancreatic cancer and then eventually passed in six months, I was on the road constantly one to afford to be home with him as much as possible uh and two because i didn't want to feel it and then when he passed uh i i i was starting to work three to four weekends a month and i was very grateful for it because my buddy was bringing me around the country and then when the pandemic hit it was like i was driving my station wagon with all my shit 150 miles an hour and then I, I hit a wall and then all my shit hit the windshield and it scattered all about me, you know? And I, it's just like the pain just was 
so real and unmasked that, you know, I mean, I lost a relationship, I had to get therapy, you know, and it's just, that's the reality, the workaholism, because that's all I knew growing up. I watched yeah. a man work all day long, come home at like nine or 10 at night, lay down on the couch to sleep, and his pager would go off at 11. And then he'd be back at the rail yard. You know, and it's just like I have to cycle through what that looks like for me because I'm a product of that, you know. So it's like I've had four or five shows this week and I had to sit Sunday and not do anything and literally, literally force myself to not do anything because it's so easy when I'm in pain to just be like, can't sit by myself, can't got to be around stimulation because I don't have drugs or alcohol anymore. I got I to gotta surround myself with activity so I don't have to address my feelings and feel the way I feel. You know, my depression manifests itself a little differently from most. Like, I don't lay in bed and, like, sleep for a long time. I literally have to be going 100 miles an hour to not feel my feelings. And that is that is what workaholism looks like for for this alcoholic. Now I don't know what it looks like for anybody else, but like, it's important for me to share those things because it's something I have to work on. Because it's like, I don't want to die at 59 years old. You know that might happen. You know, and I'm not saying my father didn't provide well and wasn't a, a fabulous human. It's just running a hundred miles an hour all day every day is not good. As good as it feels to not feel, and that is my MO most of the time. <laughs> All of us. As good as it feels to not feel, I I have to I have to sit with it. I have to sit with it, unfortunately. You know, because that's a defect of character of mine. Is that workaholism is probably top three defects of character. And in the comedy business, it's like, oh that grind, bro, or you hustle so hard, bro. It's like I'm running away from my emotions. <laughs> I hope you talk about that often because I think you'll have a lot of applause from that. <laughs> I got to say. What, on stage or in meetings? Oh, anywhere and anywhere you can say, like, I'm running. I'm not busy. I'm running. Yeah. I love I'm it. Usually, I love it. I'm and, usually bombing on stage, but I, I do share it. I, I do get applause don't breaks Don't take half of me, Dave. Don't. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> just in no. meetings, I get applause breaks. On stage, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to sell merch. I but love it. We talk about defects Remember of character. That lady? I told you about that uh, brought me to program, the yeah. program therapist. Yeah. So 20 years later, so it's about 10 years ago, my ex at the time had left. My mom had passed away and someone had stolen my dog. Girl. <laughs> I went down. I went down so hard and so long. I didn't think I was going to get up. Mm-hmm. And I ran into somebody running an errand, and they, of course, force you <laughs> to like, hey, you know, right here across the street is a meeting. Yeah. And uh, there's no Saturday night Al-Anon meetings because everybody is healthy and has a life. <laughs> uh, every Al-Anon meeting you look up online, it says there's a meeting, and you go, and it's not there anymore because people got well and left, and they're out having a good time. But I uh, went looking for a Saturday night meeting. Who's standing outside that meeting? Three years Whoa. of depression in the bed. Who's standing there? That woman. Whoa. Going into her AA meeting, she said, you can't share, but you should come in and sit with me. 
So after the meeting, I'm walking her to the car, and I said, uh, Galen, I, uh, I haven't been so good. And uh, I said, what's been going on with you? And she said, I lost like seven friends in seven years. It's been, it's been really a lot of grief. Wow. How about you? And I said, I lost three relationships. I'm counting my dog <laughs> as a relationship uh, this year. And I said, I'm laying in bed eating bonbons with my other dog and drinking vodka. I'm not getting out of this bed. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, Rosalie, that doesn't matter. You're processing grief, whether you had written all the steps, done all the work, been to meetings, worked with your sponsor, sponsored the Alateens, done all your stuff. It would still take you three years of grief. Yep. There's no shortcut in grief, baby. No mm-hmm. shortcut in grief. It, it's always and I fun when say, we just keep losing people, too. It's just right now. Yeah. How many now? I'm up to seven. So it's grief is important. It's honorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to honor that, but also look at how that AA woman let me off the hook. I want to say something about the addiction programs. Okay. Nicotine Anonymous, AA, Narcotics Anonymous, OA, all of it. I've never met a more accepting group, less judgy people who go, oh, yeah, you ran over your cat, cut the house on fire. Huh? Good share. You know, it's like, yeah. We laughed. We're like, of course you did. Of course you did. You're drunk. It's all right. Uh, And you're not going to stay there. And you're on your way. And thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Acceptance. Acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. And the Al-Anons need to take a note from that page. Oh. Because we do not understand the disease for shit. We don't. When it says, the very first page of Al-Anon, it says we're here to become better people. And I, I heard it like at about year five. And I said, what does it say? What? Me? About a person? I'm, I'm, what? But he says that better people and understand the family disease of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And that's what the AAs have. And the Al-Anons have a, a terrible time getting to non-judgmental interactions. Yeah, but I think, I think it's like, a, like, it all boils down to defects of character and what, what are yours? Yeah. What are mine? What, what am I trying to turn over? You know, because I, if I could get rid of them on my own, I would have already, mm-hmm. you know, and the question seven is, uh, Rosalie, what defects of character have you surrendered to the most? And by the way, we have judgment too. We just <laughs> express it differently, but yes, no, we don't. Shut up. Shut up, Dave. Let let her think this. This is true. But I'm just saying, uh, yeah, and I appreciate that was really nice. And also, there was a part of me that, like, wanted to, like, low-key protect the Al-Anons in that and just be like, but we make you crazy. I get it. I would be judgy, too. Which is the most codependent shit. (laughs) Well, it's just, we're just, we're just mean and judgmental and all that hardship because we don't want to look at ourselves. You're such a shiny object, Anna. Thank you. Oh, I just want I just want to reflect your shine, and uh, it gets me in all kinds of trouble. It's it's because we're such shitheads. We don't want to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't. It's much yeah. more fun to fix my neighbor than it is to fix my yard. Right. And what, I want it. So, like, what are the defects kind of like in that? Like, what like what what defects are are at it's play? Fear. There's only one character defect. It's fear. Yeah. Yeah, that's always what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. That's it. Because I will throw you under a bus. 
Mm -hmm. I've had an actor turn to me and apologize after an audition saying like, oh, I'm sorry I threw you under the bus. I got afraid. And I thought, go to a meeting, you jerk. Uh, how did they throw you under the bus? Also, where are they? I will find them. Rosalie, I'll take care of them. What happened? <laughs> I used to how see you in auditions all the time. You get age categorized and you audition with the same guys for every mom and dad yeah. role, right? I forget his yeah. name. I blocked that stuff. I blocked that stuff. But Dave, you asked me a question and now I can't even remember what it was. I did. Uh, it was, uh, what defects of character have you surrendered to the most? Oh, just... Yeah, uh, the biggest, the biggest, most dangerous character defect, I think, is shame. Mm. It's, I've had to work really hard on shame. Uh, I had a, a bit of insight, you know, the Truman Capote story that he wrote the book on, uh, what is it, in blood, cold blood in Cold Blood, in Cold Blood. There's a beautiful scene where Robert Blake, who later became a murderer, uh, says, <laughs> they say, why did you do it? And he's about to be put to death and Truman Capote just really always wanted that one answer and he couldn't get it and so he pushes and pushes and finally the guy says because she looked at me and thought I could mm. and so he did he murdered her because she looked at him like he was trash and would hurt her mm -hmm. so your reflection back to me of what a piece of shit you think I am makes me so ashamed that I will violently react and hurt you. You back anybody into a corner and you're going to experience that. And that shit that in the South where I come from, shame was a weapon you used readily. Yeah. It's a bless your heart situation. Oh my mm -hmm. God. And I really had to turn that shame and blame over. Yeah. That was a bad character defect. And, and now I like to do what, I don't know where it comes from, but that saying like, what if you let everybody off the hook today? Yeah. What if just for 24 hours, you just let everybody off the hook. Yeah. That's a good 24 hours when I do that. That's, I got to try that. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> steal it. it. I stole it from <laughs> somebody said it out loud and I just thought it was the grooviest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, what if you let everybody off the hook today, Rosalie? Yeah. yeah like, why not? Why not? And why like, not? Florida even has no fault insurance. <laughs> the Floridian style of forgiveness. No faults. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, and I, I, it, it does bring us to our eighth question, which is like, how do you experience forgiveness? Because that takes a lot of forgiveness to just be like, you know what? Everyone's getting off the hook today. Well, you're just going to do that. It does. We're just going to live does. in forgiveness. That is the only way I can practice forgiveness. Yeah. I have so to let, if you don't let him off, you're not going to let yourself off. If you don't mm -hmm. let yourself off, you're not going to let the next guy off. And then it just continues. It's blame and shame all day long. It's a yeah. terrible way to live. See, I like this better than the what gets toted around the room sometimes. It's the radical acceptance. I, li I, I like a radical forgiveness. Mm, beautiful you know, god yeah uh, they, yeah that i mean one of my least favorite um colloquial phrases in in 12 step is acceptance is the answer to all my problems yeah. and, and it, well it, it, here's here's the problem with that dave a friend of mine who's a smarty pants um uh, very very you know the hardest people to help are the ones really smart yeah Right. Mm -hmm. Very hard to bring them to program. 
Yeah, yeah they know too much. Uh, but she approached it differently. She took me to a page in the one day at a time that says acceptance does not mean the acceptance of unacceptable things. It means accepting the fact of the situation and then deciding what to do about it. Yeah. That's that, different. That yeah, the amend, the amended uh, phrase to that, as I, I see hanging in the room sometimes, is acceptance does not mean approval. That yeah. Was the, mm -hmm. That was the amendment yeah. to, to that story. And the allies have to watch out for that acceptance word because it means we put up with, which is yeah. also bullshit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Different. Yeah. Different. Yeah. You accepted the fact that the guy in the tutu was laying in a place that was dangerous. You assessed the situation. Was he heavier than you? Could you drag him? Could you roll him? Could you roll him? How many alcoholics have you rolled? I'm just saying. They use the roll for stealing, but just roll their bodies safely out of the way. Specifically, Rosalie. Crime. So, I mean, I've heard of this. <laughs> Rosalie, in a tutu. I'm not kidding. I lived in a part of Long Beach where they had Pride. And I was walking home after, because you can't drive your car Pride weekend and you can't drive your car on the Long Beach Grand Prix weekend. So you're just kind of like stuck where you live. And so I was walking back from a restaurant and there was a man in a tutu, stone cold drunk laying in the middle of the crosswalk of a very busy street. And I was like, I literally was like, you know, I guess I have to take responsibility for this. <laughs> like, I was just like, hey, baby, you got to get up. You're going to get run over. And so I helped this person out of the street. I can't believe how weirdly accurate that was. <laughs> it's, it is amazing. It is amazing. That's so funny. Um, well, and, and, I can only imagine like, so from my, my experience, both with my own codependency, Alan on E stuff and my own, um, experience with, with other, uh, Alan on E type people, it, it seems to be, you know, to kind of get back to the, like, I want to save you. Uh, here is, you know, uh, here's what you need to do. And then there, the caveat is always, or else listen to me or else. And, and, that or else is where the um, the need to make amends comes in, right? Whether it's like the cold shoulder, emotional, you know, mm -hmm. um, the emotional, uh, I don't want to say abuse, but like just kind of messing with people emotionally, like turning off, opening all the way up, um, bullying, that kind of stuff, like judgment that, you know, all those things that that play out. What is the most like interesting amends you've either given or received in your process? I imagine a lot of a lot of uh, uh, addicts have probably given you amends <laughs> because you were such a delightful, wonderful human. And if they haven't, on behalf of them, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking of this just the other day uh, that there's a guy named. I don't know if it's right for me to say his last name, but I've done everything else wrong, so why not? Uh, you just a say, guy you named just... Sam F. There okay. you go. Uh, who was sober in uh, Los Angeles, so I don't know where he lives today, that called me to make an amends, and I was too new. I think I had five years, and I could not accept it, and I would love to find him again, but I don't know how to find him. So Sam F., if you're out there, and you used to be a writer and very funny dude living in Los Angeles, and you know Anna, and you know Dave, reach out because they have something to share with you. 
And I owe you an amends, my friend. Oh my god! This is the first like on-air amends. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good dude. Oh. I was very okay, messed up. This at the is time. the part of the classifieds, the misconnections. Oh my god! For the show. You were the one farting in the grocery aisle at the Ralphs, <laughs> and I thought you were cute. Signed, I read that one. Yeah. Signed, olfactory hues. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So Rosalie, I bet you got a spiritual practice on a day-to-day -day basis. What's that look like? Mm. Well, definitely uh don't let my character defects hurt anybody. That's that's first. I say that and and then, you know, I connect with my ancestors that have gone before me and uh ask for their help. Um mostly just to be relieved of my own craziness that gets in my way of being a good person. Um, and my lack of self-esteem that can cause me to do some inappropriate things um, because they don't acknowledge the truth. Yeah. Uh, help me to acknowledge the truth. My favorite people I guess in, in my life that I've come across are people who know how to tell the truth accurately. My favorite comedians are people who know how to tell the truth because that observational skill uh, and willing to bust themselves is to me just lovable as hell. I love it. I love it. Uh, and to be of service. If I, if I can be of service without overextending myself and breaking anybody else's boundaries, um, then I usually do take a nap after because I find yes. exhausting. Yes, yes, yes. Because and here's the exhausting part. It isn't that like, oh, I just give so much. I exhaust myself. No. The exhausting part is making sure I don't break the boundary the whole time. It, it's watching my ass. I just, I'm not to be trusted. So I got to work hard to be a good yeah. person. It's a, it's a tightrope walk. You're just, yeah. trying, you're trying to balance while you're That's crossing. It, babe. That's it. That's yes. it. Being respectful. Do you know what the first step is? Nobody agrees with me on this. This is my version of the first step. Respect. Ooh, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Baby, it, the whole reason we cross those boundaries is we have zero respect for the way things really are. Respect mm. for the alcoholics boundaries. Respect for what, uh, you know, I believe my children should be doing. Respect what I think my boss should be doing. What the comedy store should do. I mean, you name it. Or respect for myself for involving myself in the situation. That's yeah. for me. That's the big one. It's like, it's like, am I mad at this person or am I mad at me for how I've engaged with this person? Listen, somebody told me I didn't need to show them my tits. I was a good enough actor. So right there. Wish someone would say that to me. Right there. I, I was validated and I need to follow through on that. <laughs> well, Dave, that's because we all want to see your tits. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> Patreon incoming. Hey, paywall, baby. Ah, uh, Rosalie, uh, you came into this podcast really talking a lot about your higher power and your amazing relationship with your higher power. Could you expand on that a little bit? Like, what is your relationship with your higher power like? Well, my AA friends get jealous because he finds me parking spaces. So, you know, I don't know if you want to hear this or not. <laughs> me too, Rosalie. Me? Rosalie, people always remark to me. They're like, 
you always get parking up front. I was like, yeah, but I'm broke and all my relationships are fucked up. So can yeah, say, yeah, but you got parking. So, you know. It's like I was in the before life being like, all right. They were like, Anna, how do you want luck? You want success. You want you want to be tall. You want to be pretty. You want people to gravitate. You're, and I was like, I just don't want to walk real far. <laughs> That's crazy. Hey, you want to hear a miracle? You want to hear a miracle? Yeah. Okay. So when I, I was in, I don't know, five years or six years or something, and my ex was leaving. And uh, my kid needed some specialized uh, hearing therapy. And his attorney told him that she's just price gouging in your divorce and looking for money. Don't, don't pay for it's his. Your, yeah. That is your don't, child's ears. Yeah, don't be yeah. a dick. How so about that? what happened was uh, he had this little tendency to fall over. Yeah, balance issue because, because of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was so broke. I didn't have the money to move us. I it, I was so broke at the time that the way I prayed at five years in program is like this. You better send me a billboard. I don't understand. That's how I prayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I said, you better tell me what to do. Because the therapy was $2,000. <laughs> On the television set, an old black and white movie comes up and starts playing. And it's a lady who's closing the door saying goodbye. And as she turns around, she trips and falls over a chair. The husband runs in and helps her pick up. And the subtitles read, oh, why is it now that I'm losing my hearing, I seem to be going blind too? Whoa. And that was my answer of why he was falling over. And I took my little visa and I put his therapy on a card and I knew what to do because Whoa. of that miracle. But I, we didn't, no doctor could tell us what the matter was. We had his hearing testing. It wasn't that, it was something called auditory integration training. Oh. And it, he got run over by a car because he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't like, yeah, the car's there, but dude, I want that ball. So he would just ignore things and it's a way you process information as it comes into your brain. Mm, yeah. Whether or not you pay attention to it. It is, it is like the ultimate uh, disregarding ability. Yeah. yeah. And the only way to do it is something that was just- It sounds real appealing. Not to-, not to <laughs> Ignore all that shit. It's just noise. It's just noise. Oh. So they retrain a baby's ears to- uh, uh, be able to navigate sounds wow. and integrate them into action. Wow. And it was invented by a guy in Paris and helped uh, Gerard Depardieu uh, stay out of jail for a number of years until he succumbed back into alcoholism. But it's very, it's a wonderful therapy and it's very helpful. And, uh, and so because I've asked for billboards, I'm not afraid to ask for billboard information from my higher power. Don't be that. afraid to ask. And don't be afraid to be honest and say, like, I can't hear you. And by oh. the way, don't hit me with a truck. Could you be gentle with my lessons? Because this is some bullshit going on with how hard <laughs> my life is. Yeah. Sometimes he asks for a billboard, the billboard falls on you. <laughs> yeah, you got to be specific, people. <laughs> Rosalie, I love it.
I love it. Oh, you guys are great. This is so, so good for me this morning. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, thank you. You, I, Anna, we made it to the last question of the 12. We couldn't, we did it. We couldn't just end at 11. Uh, we had to turn it up to 12. So the last question, and it's a free question. What would you tell someone just like you in the world listening right now? Oh, wow. Love yourself enough to give yourself the gift of being surrounded by people who have been there before you, who for fun and for free care enough about you to help themselves by being your mentor. Oh. Ain't no gram like the program. The best, the best. Rosalie, I'm so grateful that you have done this podcast. Where can people find you? Where can people find your comedy? Just like, how, how can people reach you? Plug your shit. Uh, the Sunday night meeting. Uh, I'll send you a ah, Zoom link. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm on the Insta, the Facebook, the Twitter. Twitter is where I, what I use to call out the government for not picking up my trash, the city government. I, I, I use Twitter for politics. I use Instagram for sex. And I use Facebook uh, to advertise my shows. <laughs> um, What's those handles? I'll, Oh, so it's all under Rosalie Mayu, R O I know nobody can spell it, so they can't find me. R O S A L E E M A Y E U X. Yes. X like X ray. So that's it. I'm, I, I can't hide. You can find me. There's even one called Rosalie Mayu Comedy because I'm over 5,000 on Facebook. I don't know how that mm -hmm. happened, except that <laughs> I have people in Louisiana too that follow this. And Wednesday night, I'll be in Ventura at a bar doing keynote mm -hmm. lounge and this Friday night at Slappers at a 5 p.m. show because I'm doing comedy at 5 p.m. on a Friday. It, it happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm doing a corporate uh, at one. <laughs> Today. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I want tape. <laughs> tape yeah. secretly with your phone. I want to see that. Yeah, exactly. Just me like putting on a decent shirt and then just being like, yay, you guys. I so do much. clean comedy, right? Uh, I, I used to say, if you can do 20 of clean, just call us back. We'd love to book you. I didn't know what that was. It was like, mm. see ya. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never book I, I was you. always I was always told if you learn to write clean, you can always go dirty. But if you start writing dirty, it's harder to go clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think all comedy is help. worth making money for. You know, exactly. I, I, I can be clean and less funny to make money if I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying clean comedy is not less funny, but I'm just saying for me, I can reel it in to get that check. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you'll have to teach me, Dave, because I could use some direction with that. Honestly, it's nope. it's a lot of it's it's a lot of code switching. And that's all. Really, it is. This is the mental code switching in your brain. Yeah. I was taught by my sponsor, uh, or told. I don't know if I always do this, but he, <laughs> he goes, uh, "Do you bring your higher power on stage with you?" I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> true. Because we're so bringing. I... Yeah. Go ahead. So what I, what I used to do was I would bring my notebook and draw a, like a white or like a ball of energy on a stool and I would put it on the stool. And I was like, all right, 
I'm physically trying that. to bring the idea of a higher power on stage. But you were saying. I love that. No. Oh, that's so helpful. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Mm. Well, Dave, where can people find you in your big orb on a stool? Uh, well, if I'm, if you can find me crying and smoking cigarettes in my garage, or you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy. I make a lot of sober content on the TikTok, a lot of sober sketches about drinking too many fizzy waters. That is my brand on TikTok. <laughs> my, um, my roommate told me today, she goes, Dave's really doing a lot of that, uh, a lot of that recovery TikTok, isn't he? And I was like, girl, so you are getting noticed. You are getting noticed. So follow me because uh, I will. Well, you don't have to. I don't expect. I, I want I to. Just say, I never I? expect. Uh, yeah, please do. I mean, I, every 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 comic or every follow is 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 worth it. Like it's part of my merch pitch. That's like I know we're breaching the end of the conversation here, but it's like. In my merch pitch, I literally pitch um, my merch, and then I go, "If you just follow me on social media, because it fucking matters." I just look at them dead in the face. I'm like, "It matters," and it costs zero dollars for you to click your yeah. thumb. If I made you laugh yeah. once in this half hour, just tap your thumb on whatever app you like, and it matters. You don't even have to pay attention to what I'm doing, but it like it. They look at that shit. They they yeah. look at, you know how who's got a follower ratio or like you know if it's the difference yeah. between someone who's very funny and very funny equally and you've got 10,000 followers versus someone with 2,000 that person with 10,000 is going to be booked and it's just the marketing unfortunately mm -hmm. so click a thumb uh you can buy hot sauce for me hahahotsauce.com Anna where can people <laughs> find you and this podcast you can find me at Anna V is fun that's Anna with two N's on Instagram TikTok uh, Twitter uh you can find that's my Facebook page uh you can also find me on the Facebooks you can find uh you can go to AnnaValenzuela.com I'm slowly re-engineering my website per Melanie Vessi's Yes, yes, Melanie oh. Bessie. I have the RosalieMayu.com because of her. Only because mm, of her. She's the yeah. best. Yeah, shout out to her and her promotional rescue and all of her success on WTF. I was just saying the other day, I was like, uh, I she she had, uh, a friend of mine was like, you know, I didn't hear that story before that she had shared. I said, oh, did you listen to 12 Questions? And he said, and he goes, he goes, no, I listened to it on WTF. And I said, that's right, 12 Questions opening for WTF, baby. That's what we're doing. We had our first, ladies and gentlemen. So pay attention to that. And, uh, you know, uh, click like, subscribe to all our things. You can find us on 12 QPod on all the social medias and also on Gmail. Feel free. We do have some listener questions. I have I've I've put those in a bank. Um and so I'm just really excited uh to do those and um how we end this podcast every time Rosalie is if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Rosalie. Oh, love you, and I love you, Dave. I'm so grateful to have been here and I wish I had a shorter name. And that's hello. It's a beautiful name, Lo Rosalie. My, you're gonna say you wish you had a shorter name. My last name is Valenzuela. Valenzuela. <laughs> People, I've seen, I've seen just folks have a heart attack. Like, how do I say this? I'm like, <laughs> they can't girl. say it, but they can spell it because yours is logical and mine is French, so it doesn't. <laughs> Yours is logical and mine is French. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Yeah, a likely story. Love you, Dave. So shut much, up. you guys. Uh, you shut up and you take that love, Dave. And yeah, if you're baby. Like, oh, 
If you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you, everybody. Thanks we for love listening. you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Be awesome. Thank you.